The rumors are true. Hockey is coming back eventually. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a great way to uh, open up, but yes, you've heard it. You've heard it here. You've heard it everywhere. Um, hockey is coming back, and um, I mean, might as well introduce us. As always, uh, I'm your host, uh, uh, Matthew, and uh, with me is my co-host. Michael, how's it going, guys? And uh, welcome to, which episode is this? 27, I believe, um, yeah, of the Behind the Net podcast. Um, yep. And yeah, this time, I mean, uh, you guys are sitting around in quarantine right now, week, whatever we're in, but... We have some news on uh, the advancement of sports, the continuation of sports. Um, I, I mean, we can hop into that. I just wanted to ask you, of course, as always, uh, how's your week going, Michael? It's been good. Uh, pretty productive, I would have to say. And uh, I think once this news hit that uh, the NHL's plans for the 2014 playoffs were confirmed, like it just brightened my day. And I'm just happy that there's something, there's something I really care about that's coming back soon. Oh, man, same here, man. Like, honestly... Uh, it's just, it's just really, I guess it, it makes everyone a little more optimistic that things are getting better. Um, but we'll talk about it more. I mean, uh, yeah, my week's been pretty good. Just been playing a lot of board games. I feel like we talk a lot about video games, but we don't talk a lot about, a lot about board games on this uh, mm-hmm. podcast, but I've been playing a whole bunch of board games and, uh, nice man. Yeah. It <laughs> just, it's a good way to spend time and the weather's getting better. I know I'm not one of those people going, you know, <laughs> to the parks or anything. Um, right. But spending a lot of time in the backyard, things like that. Um, the weather's amazing outside in Toronto right now. Well, absolutely. I was just actually on a over eight and a half kilometer walk. Uh, the weather's super hot. If you have a chance to go outside and you're able to do it safely and do social distancing, definitely go on walks. But for board games, like I mean, this is not a board game. I was actually thinking about it last night. Behind man, the I board played games. Uno in a wild. Uno's I know, amazing. Uno's amazing. Yeah. 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 That's a fun game. It's a quick game too. Um, absolutely. Yeah, right now I'm still binging uh, Settlers of Catan. Um, nice, we nice. might buy buy the expansion. I'm thinking, and then uh, yeah, it's just fun. Absolutely, and I uh, recently actually just got into Tomb Raider, uh, the the reboot from 2013. Oh, that one's that good. One. That one's good. Yeah, yeah. it's not oh, a board yeah. game, obviously, but uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Oh yeah, I I still need to find figure out some video games to play. I'm, I'm playing the same. I actually just got FIFA, so oh nice. I'm trying to get into that. Well, so if there's one thing I can say about FIFA and the NHLs have in common is that uh, both are potentially coming back very oh, yeah. soon. Or at least we already seen one in Bundesliga, but uh, mm-hmm. the NHL is potentially coming back. And uh, today was it the NSWL, I think it was called. Yeah. The National Women's Soccer League. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. WSL. Yeah. So oh, that's man. already one sports league that's coming back for sure. I mean, while we're talking about soccer, I was say, how about that um, Alfonso Davies? Alfonso Davies? Yeah. Oh, baby. <laughs> Crazy. What, what more can I say? Honestly. I, I, I'm not even a huge soccer fan, Um, but, yeah, like, just seeing a Canadian, um, you know, uh, just just take over the game like that, and, and it's kind of making me want to get into it. Caught myself absolutely. watching a Bayern game the other day. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Bundesliga's got some pretty good teams. I think everyone always thinks, oh, it's just Bayern Munich and everybody else. But uh, as as what I've learned throughout this uh, quarantine and uh, just paying a bit of attention, there's a lot of quality teams in there as well. And that makes it really fun. Oh, yeah. So uh, we want to keep this. uh, I mean, there's a lot of news uh, to talk about this week. So we want to keep it, um, you know, keep the flow going of this podcast. And we have our uh, redraft of the 2012 and entry draft uh, at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. 
of course. Ooh, uh, but exciting. let's hop right into the hockey news, Michael. I'll let you take it away uh, because you seem very excited about Absolutely. it. So um, Absolutely. if you just want to give the the uh, the listeners a, a quick uh, summary or debrief about what, what news has been going on in hockey. Well, if for whatever reason you've been sleeping under a rock, um, hockey's coming back, or at least the NHL mm-hmm. is uh, slowly coming back. Yesterday, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so on Tuesday, the NHL announced their return to play plans, and that includes a 2014 playoff, which is what we've been speculating for the last couple of weeks. It's officially confirmed, but that also means that for the, for the sake of the Toronto Maple Leafs, they will have to play the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round or the play-in round. And uh, the top four teams in each conference uh, automatically make the playoffs. And uh, the rest of the last, the bottom seven teams are automatically out. So we don't know when exactly the uh, play is going to return. They were projecting the earliest being August. But there is some clarity now that hockey has a plan and what the plan is when uh, play resumes. And obviously this will be without fans. So let's talk about our the initial reactions because... Yesterday, it was pretty shocking to see. We kind of expected the 2014 uh, format to be the thing, and yesterday pretty much confirmed it. But now that it's actually uh, out and about, what are your thoughts? I mean, when it when when the announcement officially happened, I mean, we all kind of saw it coming, of course. Um, the information in the layout has been reported for the last few uh, weeks even. So it's nice to see that. But honestly, the thing that surprised me the most was the the um the the draft process the lottery process especially um it's a little confusing at first but i think i get it now and mm-hmm. uh there's a lot to un- unpack there which I'll, i will unpack soon but first first impressions i mean hey i'm just glad the hockey's coming back right mm-hmm, again I, my, my opinion hasn't changed i don't think it's the best um you know the best thing to do but this is or the best format to go with but this is the the um i guess they the best format that the nhl you know thought was best for um given the circumstances and um as long as they're they're moving forward with it and um hockey's back so and i do want to say side note i mean to be honest i would have been okay whether it was canceled or whether it you know it continued i just care about you know that everything happens safely um Mm -hmm. because it is a big thing. They are putting a whole league of players kind of at risk in our current situation with this pandemic. Um, right. They that was my biggest concern, and you know, um, again, I said if it was canceled, I wouldn't have been okay with that. I would have understood, but since they're continuing, I understand that as well, and I just hope that they can continue safely and that you know, a player doesn't mm-hmm. get COVID and then it, there's a breakout in the NHL. That would be terrible. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, as so as far as it is now, yeah, we're definitely getting hockey back, and uh, I hope everything goes goes well. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just excited for that. I agree with you 100% on all the fronts, and especially about the player safety, because I think that that was the one thing we both agreed was the most paramount issue in all of this. As long as they can find a way to make it safe for the players, the coaching staff, and everybody that needs to be involved in this for this thing to work, and I think in that sense. As long as they can make all that happen, including the amount of testing and making sure the players stay uh, safe in their uh, their wards or keeping their mental states up, because that's a big thing too. Yes, I think that this is the this is as good as it's going to get for the situation that we're in. I'm glad this is only a one time thing, obviously, because it's kind of unfair. But like in times like this, you got to try different things just to make up for lost time. 
And you have to understand, too, that the NHL can't just, couldn't have just easily canceled. Because that's what everybody was talking about. Oh, if the, NH- the NHL should just cancel because for the safety of the players. And I understand that to a degree. But there's a lot of money at stake for the NHL to lose if they could just cancel. They're not like the AHL or the OHL, leagues like that, that uh, really cannot survive a long pause, which we talked about on previous epi- episodes. And the NHL could survive a longer pause, but if they just cancel the season outright, who's to say that when they try to return in October, for example, that fans will be able to return? We have no clue. And we have no idea when this virus is going to go away. So obviously keeping the players' health, like I said, is paramount. But all things considered, I think this is the best they could come up with. And I think that this is a good format. And as long as the player's safety is paramount, I think this will work. I 100% agree, honestly. And, um, I mean, moving into the uh, the draft lottery format, I think that's the part where things kind of got most confusing for fans. Um, mm-hmm. I'll try to break it up as, as easily as I could. It's still kind of uh, confusing, of course. But, basically, they're going to do a draft lottery the draft lottery will be broken up into two phases right so they're going to have the first phase which i believe they said was june 26th i have to double check that um but basically it's going to be all 15 of the non-playoff teams and playoff as in playoffs. so it includes um the eight that 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 is including the eight teams that will eventually lose in the first qualifying round and the Toronto right. Maple Leafs are part of that qualifying round. So it's the, the teams that are outside of that, like just eliminated from the playoffs completely, and the teams that the, the eight teams that are in that qualifying round tournament. Now, the first mm-hmm. the first phase of the draft lottery is going to be just with um the teams that didn't qualify out of the twenty out of the twenty four. Mm-hmm. So other than those twenty four teams, all the other teams um well, will be in the first lottery, and as we know, you know Ottawa has two picks in there. Detroit's um at the bottom; they'll have the highest odds, of course. Um, and this is gonna be an exciting draft for them either way. So, how it breaks down though is in that first phase, the the teams that are in the qualifying, the eight teams that are in the qualifying round, will also be in that draft lottery. But since they haven't played yet, um, they 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 actually like. They won't be in the draft lottery. It'll be a they'll have a placeholder name. So like team A, team B, team C, team D, etc. Mm-hmm. And all those teams have the exact same odds of winning the the lottery. Um, so here's where it gets kind of interesting. So, I mean, if the non-playoff teams, if they win the all all three of the 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 cho- uh, the, the top picks then there's mm-hmm. no need really for a phase two, right? Of course. Um, but because let's just say it stays the same and Detroit gets the first pick and Ottawa gets the second pick and Ottawa gets the third pick, then nothing really has to change. There doesn't have to be a phase two because those other qualifying teams, team A, team B, team C, they'll just slot in afterwards. But Which a would phase, be huge. Mm-hmm. But a phase two would be needed if... Um, if one of those qualifying teams wins the draft lottery in that um, in that first phase, so let's say it just it could be any one of them. It could be they're just placeholder names. So it could be like Team D, or it could be Team A. It doesn't even matter. But it could be Team D. 
um, wins the mm-hmm. first overall pick. And that means they would need to do the phase two. And phase two is just to figure out that phase two will take place after the qualifying round is done and the teams have been knocked out. And those teams now you know which team is team A, team B, team C, team D. Um, and they, right. they assign those. But here's the interesting part. So let's say team D wins the first overall pick. In phase two, all the other, um, all the teams who have been eliminated in the qualifying round have the exact same uh, chance to be that team D. So from there, all the qualifying teams have a chance at winning the lottery, have the exact same chance. So I know it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of complicated, but uh, the one thing I get from this is if, Let's just say if, if Toronto does get eliminated by the Columbus Blue Jackets, knock on wood that it doesn't happen. But if if, if that happened, um, then the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and let's say in phase A or phase one, whatever you want to call it, of the draft lottery, let's say one of the, you know, team A, team B, team C, whatever wins, it could be any one of them wins, then, hey, all the Toronto Maple Leafs could have a top pick if they got eliminated. Any team that got um, eliminated could have the first pick. Right. And I think what people, people, I think this one silver lining for a lot of teams. If they don't uh, make it past the play-in rounds, they have a chance at drafting Alexei Lafreniere. And I think uh, given the the context of the situation that we're in, which is the middle of a pandemic, I think that's not too bad of a consolation prize. But here's the thing for teams like Toronto, who have top 10, uh, like, we obviously know that the Leafs' first-round pick this year is uh, conditional on the te- on the condition that it's top 10 protected. So there's a lot of questions on whether or not it would be better to win the play-in round and make it to the, play- the actual playoffs or to just lose out and just hope for the best. Because remember, regardless of what happens, if it's top 10 protected this year, they lose it for next year. If they make mm-hmm. it to the, play- the playoffs, then uh, Carolina gets it regardless. Mm-hmm. So... For teams like that, uh, there's definitely a lot to think about. It's like, do we do we really want to keep playing, or would we rather get a top trying our chance at a top pick? We have to do this phase two of the NHL draft in this very weird format that's only going to be happening this one time. It's kind of like the uh, 2005 draft, where every team had a shot at Sidney Crosby, even though technically no games have been played. Mm-hmm. It's a little more complicated so, than that. It's it's like an extra mm-hmm. step to get to that point, but. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. I think yeah. that's why it makes this draft so interesting because there's going to be a lot of teams that will, will, will really think hard about whether or not it's worth to keep playing for the Stanley Cup or to try their odd like just like tank it quote unquote the their playing series and try their odds at uh, a first overall pick. I mean, we possibly might not even know who gets the first overall pick till the whole first the 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 whole like the second phase is completed. And that's what's interesting. And I want to know what your first impressions of this lottery format were. But mine were, I mean, my thoughts immediately went to teams like, you know, Ottawa, Detroit, and even Montreal. Ottawa and Detroit because, hey, I feel like this kind of messes things up for, you know, their chances a little. Because it's like, like I said, if if any of those, any if any of those qualifying teams... If any team is in the qualifying rounds, I bet they're hoping that any one of those placeholder team names um, win the draft lottery because in the end, they all that that makes 
all of them have the same exact odds for the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think of like the Ottawa and and Detroit, and just thinking, you know, we, you know, like it just it just kind of weird that way. Like they should, I bet they would just want a straight a straight direct um, route to the first overall pick or to the pick that yeah. they wanted. But I mean, yeah. it's still they're still in good they're still in a good situation. And then I think of t- a team like Montreal. We know Montreal just squeaked into the playoffs. Um, and I feel like a lot of Montreal fans feel the same way, but imagine if they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins and, uh, I mean, do they want to go on? I'm not saying they won't have a meaningful playoff run, but I feel like a lot of Montreal fans would rather, you know, have that high draft pick than, um, you know, than, than try to go far in the playoffs. And it's, it's tough for them because, um, yeah, I mean, if they if they beat Pittsburgh, I believe I read that they would they they would have no less than 16th overall. And I know Montreal wanted a high draft pick this year, and it's interesting because if they get eliminated, um, they they I, I bet they still want to be eliminated. The fans want them to be eliminated because that means they're still in the running for a top draft pick, and mm-hmm. in a way that might actually benefit them with this new format. Yeah, and a team like Montreal, though, uh, I think people seem to underestimate them a lot. Because if you take away those two 10-game losing streaks, and I know this is going to be meme to death, I'm telling you right now, those, those they had two separate 10-game losing streaks. And I think that's pretty much what doomed their season before the pause. But that team is, is pretty talented. Because remember, most of the roster was essentially the same as it was the year before. And that team just barely missed out on the playoffs. Don't let the record fool you. This team could be scary to fit, play against, uh, especially in the shortened playoffs. Obviously... Circumstances, uh, circumstantial F, uh, situations uh, are putting them in the playoffs. And now there's a possibility that they could eliminate uh, two-time Stanley Cup champions from the last couple of years uh, before the playoffs even officially begin, which should be a very interesting sight to see if that happens. Same thing with Chicago, potentially eliminating the Edmonton, the Upstart Oilers. It's a, it's a very interesting format because a lot of teams uh, will have that question, like I said, about whether or not it's worth it to continue to play or to just... Uh, just trying to end it early and get that shot at the a top draft pick, especially in a situation like this where we're probably never going to see anything like this again for a long time. So a lot of interesting things to think about. But if we're talking about my overall reaction for the draft lottery, it's confusing, but it's it'll do considering the situation that we're in. Like I said, it's not perfect because all this is not ideal for a lot of teams, but you got to make do with the situation that you're in. And make up some form of revenue for the revenue that you lost in about two months of lost play, or potentially more, considering that uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs should be uh, nearly complete around this time. Like we'd be possibly talking about the Stanley Cup Finals if uh, play were actually going on as normal. Yeah, I mean it was start- the the Stanley Cup Finals were supposed to start this week, so we are definitely you know missing out on that. But we have to make do with what we have. Um, but moving along, like I want to keep this podcast going, but, um, mm-hmm. what do you think of the, uh, you know, now, I mean, it's confirmed now, but the Leafs and Blue Jackets playoff, uh, series that that's imminent. Um, what do you, th- what are your thoughts on that? And, and do you think the Leafs have a chance? Well, my first thought, as soon as it was confirmed that the Leafs were going to place the Blue Jackets, I thought of two numbers, four and oh, that was uh, how the Blue Jackets and Lightning series last year went to. And we all know that that was one of the biggest upsets in uh, NHL playoff history. My immediate thought is a lot of fans were noticing, were just 
brushing off the uh, Blue Jackets and counting them out, thinking the Leafs were going to easily take care of business. Let's not take the Blue Jackets for granted. They were a really good team. And both teams are going to be healthy for the first time all year after both teams had various injuries. We forget the Blue Jackets had a lot of goalie injuries and yet still somehow managed to stay afloat. And they nearly clinched a playoff spot, had play resumed. This is going to, This is a scary team. And this team would made it to game six against the Stanley Cup finalists last year. And they're going to be coming up against a team that has yet to uh, find success in the playoffs. I think this is going to be an evenly matched series. And people need to give Columbus the respect that they deserve because uh, they're not going to make it. E- they're not going to make it easy for the Leafs. Oh, I 100% agree. I mean, just looking at the season series, I know it was just two games with the Leafs and the Blue Jackets, but uh, it was split one to one. And uh, yeah, I mean, as as you as you mentioned, uh, yeah, they swept the historic uh, one of the best teams of all time, Tampa Bay Lightning, the one best regular season teams of all times. Of course, mm-hmm. they swept them. And, uh, I mean, obviously you could say, you know, they had Panera and they had Matt Duchesne, things like that. But um, this is a scary team, and they found success in the regular season as well, um, especially on the backs of their goaltenders. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't know how, you know, the, you know, Corpus Allo or even uh, Elvis um, will, will might play on the playoffs. Um, and, uh, again, as you mentioned, the Leafs uh, – still have to find some uh, playoff success, and they're still looking for that. So I don't think it's as, as much of a walk in the park as a lot of people are, you know, thinking at first because they probably just they look at Columbus in the standings and who's on paper, but they don't see how good this team is. And, and obviously, um, it's a very well-coached team as well. Um, but I do think the Leafs definitely have a good chance. Um, I would <laughs> weigh in favor of the Leafs right now, um, but I do think it'll be a close series, and I don't think it'll be a walk in the park at all. Mm-hmm. My guess is, given that this is projected to be a five-game series, I think it'll go the distance, because these two teams play each other very well. And uh, funny enough, I actually learned something interesting uh, during research, uh, once I learned that the, the series was confirmed. The Leafs and Blue Jackets have only played each other 30 times throughout the course of their existences. And obviously that means that was because the Blue Jackets spent the majority of their uh, early years in the Western Conference but uh, I thought that was an interesting thing to throw in there. But uh, anyway, going back to this season, yes, uh, both games the, the Leafs played against the Blue Jackets were back in October. So it's not really fair to see how these two teams would have fared up, stacked up against each other, mm-hmm. like just going into the playoffs. There would have been a chance to see that if the regular season were to go on as normal. There was a Hockey Night in Canada game between the two teams, uh, which would have been a very interesting uh, matchup. But uh, obviously we'll never get to see that. And now we'll have to wait and see uh, when the play-ins begins. But uh, like I said, I think this series could go to five games. Uh, and I can't really say for sure who's going to uh, come out of that series. It, there's, these are two evenly matched teams. 100%. Um, I, I feel the exact same way. And, and I think it'll go the, the distance as well. Um, the next topic, though, I mean, uh, as well, we're on the, the topic of, uh, you know, the playoff series and everything. Today, um news came out that uh the Toronto Maple Leafs added Nick Robertson to their playoff roster obviously there's going to be an extended playoff roster um that the that the teams can add more players onto and uh yep so the Toronto Maple Leafs will be adding Nick Robertson to it I want to know what your thoughts are um I mean 
I, I know we save questions to the end of the uh, episode, mm-hmm. but I'll just give shout outs right now because I mean, we're essentially going to talk about it, but um, Juno, the Leafs, our friend Juno um, is asking, uh, what's your initial reaction to the Nick Robertson news today? Um, I was very excited. Um, I, I was really taken aback because I was not expecting that uh, there was going to be potential for uh, prospects like Nick Robertson to have a shot at joining their uh, respective NHL teams for the playoffs. But it's a very exciting opportunity for Nick Robertson. Uh, we saw what happened with him with the Peterborough Peets this past season, just before uh, the season got canceled. He was on to have a very historic campaign, offensively speaking. There's a potential for him to go on a Memorial Cup run if that was even going to happen. Um, he was definitely on track to potentially join the lease roster for next season or at least compete for spot. And we talked about this before on a previous uh, episode, but just the fact that uh, Kyle Dubas thinks he's uh, ready to potentially be on the roster, potentially even playing meaningful hockey games as what an 18, 19 year old. Mm-hmm. That's huge for his confidence, especially. And I think Nick Robertson has to recognize this as a golden opportunity. And for us Lee fans, uh, it'll be exciting to see where he fits in the lineup. And if uh, he can play well uh, in these first couple of games, the Leafs will have some very interesting decisions to make in the shortened off season, whenever that may be. Mm-hmm. And my thoughts are the same. I mean, we've been talking all season about Nick Robertson and about, um, you know, next season is when he should definitely be up. Or, or we've even been debating when when would the t- right time for him to be called up to the NHLB and things like that. But I guess now is the time. And honestly, what a better stage. There's no better stage to bring a bump on. Um, the only worry I have is, you know, if, uh, he doesn't live up to it or, you know, obviously playoff hockey is tough to jump right into, especially from juniors. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's tough enough to jump into from the regular season. Um, and to put, you know, a rookie on there, it's going to be interesting, but if he can handle it, like that's, that would be such a huge confidence boost. And if he can excel, then that's going to be huge, especially afterwards going into next season he's already have he, he would already have you know playoff experience on his back um that mm-hmm. that, that you know you, that can't be just learned it has to be experienced so absolutely that's that that would be awesome um so yeah that's what i thought about I, I was, i'm just excited now honestly mm-hmm. um but just our next mention before okay. we move on uh, to the next question uh when you were talking about that confidence boost uh my first thoughts were immediately going to kale mccart and we remember actually oh, yeah. last year in 2019, uh, he made his NHL debut during the playoffs against the Calgary Flames, and he excelled right off the bat. And guess what? In his first full season in the NHL, just before play was stopped, he was on pace to have a really, really good rookie season, potentially en route to winning his uh, winning a Calder Trophy, which mm-hmm. would have been huge for Colorado because that's another piece to build from their back end. So if I'm look, if I'm Nick Robertson. I look at Kale McCarr's uh, mixtape from the 2019 playoffs and figure out how he was able to uh, find uh, his groove on without in being cold feet and going right into a high-pressure situation. Because if Kale McCarr can handle it, I think a guy like Nick Robertson can handle it as well. I think well, if, you can, if you can handle high pressure like the playoffs, you're set for the rest of, not your rest of your career, but you're, you're set for the next year for sure with that experience <laughs> under your belt. But um, the next question uh, comes, I mean, all our questions, I just want to note that all our questions today so far has come from uh, are about Nick Robertson. So I'm going to keep going with the questions right now. Um, but our buddy Nick, Nick Barden, at Nick Barden on Twitter, 
Um, he's uh, asking where does Nick, or he calls him Nicholas, belong on the Toronto Maple Leafs next season. <laughs> Are we going to call him Nicholas now? Nicholas Robertson. There we uh, go. <laughs> but where do you think he belongs on the uh, Leafs lineup? My immediate guess has to be middle six, like third or second line. It could really depend on uh, where the Leafs are spot. It all depends, though, on what happens with Ilya Mikheyev and uh, Barbanov, like what, what goes on with them during the offseason, if Mikheyev stays or Barbanov even makes the team out of camp. Um, but, I mean, just judging on uh, what the Leafs want to do with their players, I have to suspect that uh, Robertson will play somewhere in the middle six, uh, left wing side, of course. But uh, how he does uh, during the regular season, we don't know yet because uh, season's long ways away. But I think he'll fit in right away. And if he has that playoff experience under his belt, uh, I'm sure he'll have no problems uh, finding success right away during the start of the regular season. Now, I want to interpret this question in another way as well, but I'm going to ask you quickly. So that, that was for next season, but where do you think he'd slot in for these upcoming playoffs? Um, That's a tough one. But I think the easiest thing we can do is... Uh, Notice that Andreas Janssen is not going to be on the team uh, mm-hmm. to start the playoffs because he's still recovering from his injury that is keeping off for six months. And even a, a, like a, an optimistic a projection, he'll probably be with the team like in the second or third round of the playoffs. At least he'll play three or four rounds by then. But if Nick Robertson is going to play, which some people are skeptical, but I'm uh, optimistic that he will, my guess is uh, probably alongside Tavares. Like that's my hopeful projection. But more realistically, he'll play alongside Kerfoot and Kapanen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you there. I feel like he'll slot in bottoms. I mean, middle six. When I'm saying bottom six, but middle six. Um, but I look at the lineup, and obviously the Leafs have been lacking in the left wing department. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where they have definitely been needing um, help. Um, obviously with Andreas Janssen out. Um, but and and Ilya Mikheyev also, but he'll, I mean, he'll likely be back for the playoffs. We'll have to mm-hmm. see. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll answer in two parts for this upcoming playoffs. I think he'll start in the middle six, um, probably closer to the third line, as you said. But if he excels, I would love to see him. You know, I would love to see Sheldon Keefe try him out either on Tavares's wing or even on Matthews' wing. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, Zach Hyman is also a versatile forward that can slot on, on either of those top two lines. So that that helps out with finding out where Robertson should play. Um, yep. And then, um, again, I think this even for next season, I I think it's the exact same. If he excels in the playoffs, then that I think the playoffs will be the president for um, the the regular season. Um, but I think the third line is probably the safest place to put him. And I could see them putting him there, um, especially next season. Um, but mm-hmm. if he excels, he can definitely be a top six forward. Absolutely. And I, I'm hopeful that he'll uh, make it to the top six. The same thing happened with Austin Matthews uh, in his rookie season. He started off on the uh, the third line role, but then quickly accelerated up in the lineup. And he became a useful part of the team within his first month in the mm-hmm. NHL. And it I also helps that it, it helps that they don't have a lot like a deep left wing core um that there there are openings for robertson uh, as opposed to you know if he was a center mm-hmm. or right wing too because at least have a lot of right wingers mm-hmm. but I, I think uh just the idea of nick robertson uh building his conference in co- confidence i said conference in which is a weird <laughs> way of saying it 
Uh, I just have Robertson on the brain right now, guys, apparently. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'm really excited about the possibility of what he could do alongside of Tavares or Nylander or Matthews Marner. And that'll make for a really exciting line. But obviously, first things first, he's got to get to the NHL and uh, build his confidence. But if he can find success right away, I'm really tempted to see what would happen with that line. Oh, for sure. A um, couple more questions uh, about Nick Robertson, just super quickly. Um, yeah. We don't have to spend too much time here, but our buddy Omar, tic- at TikTok Tomar, we've had him on the show. He asks, how many goals do Austin Matthews and Nick Robertson uh I guess score combined in the playoffs. Ooh, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, that's assuming that again everything goes well and they decide to play them together. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say they do play together. I I don't know a number, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, I'm gonna assume that Matthews does the load of the scoring because he's gonna be going off. I made everyone was talking about how Matthews is gonna be pissed off. About missing out on the Rocket Richard mm-hmm. Trophy. By I one saw goal. your tweet about that, the the Michael Jordan meme. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good picture. I think that's going to be useful for a while. Oh yeah. Um, but if I, let's let's assume that Matthews is going to do the majority of the scoring, I'm going to say he's going to score 15 goals. Matthews, something in that ballpark. Let's that's assuming they go a long ways, maybe 20, 15 or 20. And I'm going to say Robertson scores somewhere between two and five. So. That's assuming that they win the Stanley Cup. That's assuming they go deep in the playoffs, or they just oh, have yeah. a very like explode. Like they have a round where they just go off offensively. Like that's my projection. Like fifteen to twenty goals. Like fifteen goals for Matthews, five goals for Robertson. So let's say they combine for twenty. I was thinking. That's my it, very hopeful. I was, I was gonna say twenty-five if they go deep. Um, a more realistic thing. Let's just say, I could see anywhere between fifteen to twenty-five. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I could see Nick Robertson scoring a lot more. Um, again, we know he's a he's a pro- prolific goal scorer, especially in the juniors right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of his bread and butter. So uh, we'll see. Um, I hope that he can uh, find success right away. But again, mm-hmm. we have no idea what's going to happen. And we don't know what lines they might you know dish out. Um, is Martin going to stay on that right side? Um, or is Nylander going to be on Matthews' right side if they tried mm-hmm. with um Robertson on the left? But I'm going to say anywhere between 15 to 25. Given a good a, a good a good decent uh playoff run. Yeah, I think so too. Somewhere in that ballpark is a pretty safe bet, but that's assuming of course the least make it deep. Oh yeah. Um so I want to go talk about some basketball now because we covered a lot of hockey news and a lot of hockey topics. Actually, um, we have one more question we have just one for more. Fun. Okay. Uh from Matt at Matt LH04 can Robertson be the shutdown D man the Leafs need? I'm just going to answer that right <laughs> away. Yes. Yes, he can. <laughs> Shout out to Steve Dangle on that one. Yeah. Uh, that, that, was, be- that was from Steve Dangle mistakenly believe, or thinking that uh, Robertson was a defenseman. That's still funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we're just excited for Robertson to be here, and we're just excited for hockey to be back. For sure. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, I want to move on to some basketball talk because basketball is also on the verge of uh, making your, its return soon enough. Um, they're making progress as, as well. Um, so all through last week and um, currently the NBA is in very serious talks with uh, Walt Disney World um, to mm-hmm. be uh, continuing their 
uh, season at Walt Disney World at the resort. Yep. And uh, I, I believe, I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, I, we both agree that this, that's probably the best idea, having, you know, that huge area, that huge private resort area, especially with the um, facilities they have and ESPN being there as well. Um, it definitely makes the most sense um, to be there. And uh, I, I, I just want to read off this tweet from uh, Shams Sharania. Uh, he says the NBA is working on multi-phase medical slash safety protocols towards the restart of play. Current projections have in-market training camps in July, then camps and scrimmages in Orlando. Then they'd resume play in late July and early August. So I just want to know your general thoughts on uh, the moves they've been making. Well, I think it goes without saying that Walt Disney World is the perfect place to do it. Um, there's a lot of uh, hotels uh, nearby the facility. And uh, it makes a lot of sense uh, just from all fronts. But there's one thing that uh, has come out today that Walt Disney World is going to be opening up again soon. And that's something that the NBA has to consider as well. How will they keep the players safe from potentially interacting with the fans that might try and like sneak in and say, hey, I want to get an autograph from LeBron James <laughs> or uh, I want to get an autograph from uh, Giannis or something like that. They're going to definitely try and do that because they're going to be in close proximity to yeah. these players. I just, I just saw that now Um, they're they're saying that the Walt Disney World Resort is planning to reopen on July 11th. Of mm-hmm. course, that's kind of interfering with the NBA's planned schedule. Uh, that, that does kind of change things because, I mean, how I imagined it would be was, you know, Walt Disney World's closed, so that just gives the NBA way more freedom to be kind of isolated in that area. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see how they handle this because obviously then it gives them a lot less, you know, property to work with, I believe. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Disney wants to open just the parks or if they're going to open the hotels as well, because the hotels, it seems like in the resorts, they're just going to have to be um, saved for the NBA because they're going to need a whole lot of hotels for the, the for the entire league. Mm-hmm. Um what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's really exactly what they have to do. Um, but my brother, I was having a conversation with a friend about this uh, the other day, uh, very recently, actually. And they were talking about how there's a lot of resorts in close proximity to the ESPN uh, sports complex, like big resorts, as in like there's a lot of rooms that are fairly nice. So it can work in that sense that the players can just stay there uh, for a couple couple weeks, a couple months, potentially, depending on how long the playoffs goes. Um, it works. I think it most definitely works, but there's still a lot of parts that need to be decided, um, in terms of just the actual playoff format itself. There's actually talks of, uh, expanding the playoff format a bit or just going, or just going one through 16, just going straight with it, which is a very interesting, uh, strategy, but I mean, there's crazier things that the sports leagues has done. And I think that there's one thing the NBA might be a little more pressured to do is to come up with a decision. Since now that the NHL has come up with their return to plan already, I'm guessing a lot of sports leagues like the NBA might be looking at that and said, hey, maybe we should try and get on the same boat as well. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. And um, one one thought I did have is I feel like the NHL, I mean, if we're, if we're kind of looking at both leagues from a, a broader perspective here, I do think the NHL wants to try and get a leg up on the NBA um, and start up the season because – Hey, look at uh, Bundesliga um, and them starting up and kind of being the only sport or major 
uh, sports league that opened up right now. And look how much viewership they're getting. They're getting views from people who aren't, you know, soccer fans because people, sports fans just want sports back. And I can imagine if the NHL returns, um, even NBA fans and NFL fans and things like that will watch the NHL the NHL playoffs like they haven't before just because sports are back. Um, that's one mm-hmm. observation I made. But definitely I think the NBA is trying to um, follow in the footsteps of the NHL and, and lay out a similar timeline um, that'll, again, salvage their season and hopefully not ruin next season as well. Absolutely. And one thing that leagues have to keep in mind that next season is going to be uh, delayed because of uh, COVID. And there's a possibility that they're going to have to do a shortened 2020-2021 season as a result. And I've said this before, and I'll say this again. There's absolutely no way you can tell me that next season is going to be normal. And we're not going to have a normal season again until at the earliest 2021-2022, which is fine. You have to make do with the situation that we're in. And if that means uh, awarding the Stanley Cup or awarding the NBA championship, the Larry OB, as we like to call it, uh, then you have to do with the the situation that you're in. And I think sports fans will understand if next season is going to be shortened because of COVID and the late playoffs. I think it's totally fine. You could still make it work. I think a lot of fans will be pleased to have a possibility of returning to uh, the stadium in 2021, which would be great. But I actually wanted to just briefly talk about something before we move on to other topics. Um, one thing the NBA has been discussing with their return, like the playoff format, is just going straight with the 1-16. to 16. Mm-hmm. And if that's the format that they're going to go with, that would mean the Toronto Raptors would play the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts on what you would think these two teams would uh, fare in a playoff series, despite the two teams actually not playing each other in the regular season this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, first for the... Uh... For the listeners, I mean, just the one one to sixteen playoff form. I just want to explain is that they would pretty much abolish the East and West conference uh, kind of that split that they usually do in the playoffs, and just mm-hmm. seed everyone through the using the regular season standings and just seed them one to sixteen. So the Raptors would actually be third because they had the third best record in the entire league. Um, and yeah, as you said, they would face the Grizzlies and. I mean, I don't want to be over overly confident, but uh, yeah, the Raptors, the Raptors are a much stronger team than the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, the very young Memphis Grizzlies. Um, John Morant plays. John Morant is is has been exceptional, but again, we don't know how he would fare in the playoffs. He has he's a rookie, um, and Jonas Valanciunas. He he'd be it's, it'll be kind of his uh, his homecoming in a way. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be interesting, but um, I mean, both on paper and just experience-wise, um, um, defense, offense, everything. They, the Toronto Raptors have um all the boxes checked in that series. What do you think? I think the same way too, but I'm going to imagine that it's going to be the same way as it has been in the past. The Raptors lose the first game and then find a way to win the rest of the series. So mm. probably the Raptors in five, potentially Raptors in six. Because this Memphis team is pretty good. The record uh, doesn't really indicate it. But the fact that they're even in the playoff conversation, and they're in a comfortable lead to, at that, they're like well above Portland right now. That is uh, that's a decent team. And that's not easy to do in the Western Conference, even if their, their, their record is technically below 500. Um, that team would definitely give the Raptors a little bit of a scare. But I would imagine that series goes no more than six games. Oh, for sure. I mean, let's not discredit what Memphis has done there. I mean, 
taking Ja Morant, building around him. Um, we see, you know, players like Jaron Jackson Jr. and Josh Jackson, even Valanchunas takes step, steps forward. And that team just plays very well together through Ja Morant. And um, they'll definitely be a team to watch for in a few years. Definitely one of the top young teams in the league, mm-hmm. them and the Pelicans. Um, you know, they're all, uh, even the Hawks, they're all um, advancing so quickly. But um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely think the Raptors in, can take that pretty easily. I do want to ask you, though, um, when we're talking about the 1-16 to playoff format, um, what do you think of that? And, and would you honestly prefer that even over the NHL's 2014 format? I will say this. Um, I think it works better for a league like the NBA just because um, the, the top teams are the ones that have the best shot at winning a championship. And I think it'll make it much more interesting as in the finals doesn't necessarily have to be the East versus the West. It, have, it can be the, have the two very best teams duking it out for a championship. Obviously, this year, it's an East versus a West team. So the league would probably want uh, Bucks versus Lakers as much as possible. But I think for I think certain leagues work better for the 1-16 to format. But for the NHL, where it's a lot more unpredictable, uh, I think the 2014 format, at least in this case, uh, with, with uh, COVID disrupting their plans, it works bet fine for them. But I think the NBA should really consider the 1-16 to format, even after uh, COVID. Because that's what a lot of fans have been discussing anyway, like a 1-16 to playoff format just all together and just abolish conferences. Mm-hmm. Just because, like I said, the top teams are the best teams, and I think we'd want to see the very best of the NBA in the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, uh, I mean, just looking at the uh, potential playoff bracket here, um, Toronto wouldn't have to face the Bucks, the Celtics, or the 76ers, even the Heat. They're all on the other side of the bracket. They they'd only face the Raptors in the finals. Um, yeah. But meanwhile, the Raptors are on the same side of the bracket as the Lakers, the Nets, um, the Jazz, the Rockets, the Nuggets, the Pacers. I mean, we can potentially get a Raptors. It's, it's kind of weird, but we could potentially get a Raptors Bucks uh, finals, Raptors Clippers finals, Raptors 76ers or Raptors Celtics finals. Um, but that also depends on if the Raptors can get past the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, of course, in the, I mean, I don't even, I can't call it the conference finals, but let's just call it the third round. Mm-hmm. That would be a very interesting uh, playoff series if that's what it gets to. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's one thing uh, people will, will definitely point to right away, it'll be Le- LeBron Toe memes. Do they uh, come back with a vengeance or do they finally end? Is it still Lebronto though, or is this the new the new look Toronto Raptors that are gonna? I mean, they they've taken over. They've t- they've beaten the the Los Angeles Lakers already this season, um, mm-hmm. in a in a very convincing uh, style. So we'd see if uh, you know these these new look Toronto Raptors can take on the Los Angeles Lakers potentially. But that would be the that would be mm-hmm. the playoff format. I mean. I can't imagine the Lakers losing to the Nets or even the Rockets or the Jazz. So let's just assume the Lakers make it to the third round. The Ra- the Raptors would just have to be the the Grizzlies and either the Nuggets or the Pacers, who I, I think the Nuggets would win in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, they would just have to beat them and then meet the Lakers. Absolutely. And 
that's going to be interesting. That'll be a very interesting playoff format. And I think the NBA, like I said, the NBA should really consider the 1 to 16 format. I think it makes a lot of sense just for the way the league is. And uh, for a team like Toronto, maybe, I'm for sure this year, but maybe in, in years down the line, if they remain competitive, they could really benefit from a 1 to 16 format. Now, because... can you imagine if. Oh, go on. No, it's just, I think you're making a good point, uh, basically what I was going to say, but continue. I was going to say, can you imagine if the Raptors and the Bucks meet in the finals and the Raptors beat the Bucks and Giannis pulls a KD and decides just to come to Toronto? <laughs> oh, that would be something. That would or be something. how about uh, Giannis and Kawhi come to Toronto? Oh, man. <laughs> 2021, <laughs> looking bright. That's going to be a big year for uh, Toronto sports. I mean, I'm if this it. if this playoff bracket is true, this could be a huge playoffs for the Toronto Maple. I mean, what am I saying? The Toronto, the Toronto Raptors in um, convincing future stars to hopefully make a decision. Absolutely, but that's all speculation. Um, did you have any points you wanted to make before we moved on? Uh, actually, uh, there was another tweet from Shams that just came out, and it's in relation to the return to play plans. Uh, NBA players and staff who are currently outside the U.S. are now allowed to re-enter the U.S. Uh, because of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security issue. Prior travel restrictions existed due to coronavirus. So one step closer to the return of NBA basketball. Mm-hmm. And we've already discussed that uh, Walt Disney World is could most likely going to be where the games are going to be played. And now play- players from overseas can come back. So mm-hmm. when do you project that we're going to have an announcement like uh, the NHL did? With uh, the NBA saying, "Here's a return to pay plan. Here, here's when we think things could potentially come back, but we don't have an exact date of when the return will be." Actually I think be. within the next two weeks. I think the NBA is a; they have a lot more things to think about than the NHL. Um, of course, they're dealing with a whole corporation in Disney now, and they have to kind of negotiate around Disney's. As you said, now they are uh, Disney's plan to reopen. Um, the NBA has a lot more broadcasting, uh, I guess, obstacles they have to get over, a lot more outlets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I I just think they have a lot more things to do, but I definitely think within the next two weeks we'll get a final decision. I think so too. And I hope the same thing happens with the MLB, which is uh, having some really uh, intense discussions on trying to return play. But with the NHL's plan in place, I think, these sports leagues will find a way to return as well. Like I said, there's pressure now on them. Like if they don't return, they're like, Hey, why did this league was able to return? Why weren't you able to return? So I think with more leagues starting to return, society slowly starting to open up. We're going to see a resolution very soon. And hopefully within a couple of months, sports will be back on and we'll get to talk about uh, brand new sporting events for the first time since March. For sure. And I just want to mention again, like I said, with hockey, um, I just hope that every sports league that's coming back is done safely with Mm -hmm. the um, players' health and safety um, placed as their priorities. Um, Honestly, like even with the NBA, I I wouldn't have minded it being canceled. You know, I mean, the only president we have for this is uh, the Spanish flu, and and that had to be, uh, that season had to be canceled in hockey. And I mean, these Mm -hmm. things happen but I wouldn't want to risk the lives of players um, for a season. But if they're, if they strongly believe that this is the 
right thing to do. And uh, again, if they have consulted with health officials and and they are uh, they've been given the green light, then so mm-hmm. be it. And uh, I'm looking forward to sports coming back. Mm-hmm. There's the listen. If there's one thing in life, the one things the things you'll regret are the things you don't try. And I think that sports leagues should try and find a way to resume play as best as they can if they're financially able to do so. And I think that that's something that all these sports leagues need to try and uh, keep in mind. As much as it sucks that um, things are in a precarious situation and that some leagues are just easily canceling because they just there's no financial incentive to try and pause for as long as possible, the most important thing is trying to find a way to keep the player's safety paramount. And if you mm-hmm. can, like I've, we've been saying all episode long and every single time we talk about return to play, if you can find a way to keep the player's safety first as well as all the staff needed to make uh, sports function and it can be done safely and not have too big of an interference on the following season, then what's to say you can't do it? We've seen other leagues uh, attempt this and it's worked so far. And with more leagues trying to find ways to resume play, I think more leagues will find the confidence that they can make it work. But again, it all hinges on making it safe for the players. Mm-hmm. And with that, there's a lot of things the NBA still has to think about. I mean, of course, with hockey, we, we suggested that these players could wear the fish bowls. Um, that's essentially a mask for them to wear um, that, that keeps the germs out. But, you know, basketball doesn't have that. And I, I feel like it would be very uncomfortably wearing mm-hmm. a mask all game. Um, so the NBA definitely still has you know, things like that to think about. So we'll see how it is. Um, but I want to move on. And, uh, Michael, I know, uh, you, you know about, I mean, as you mentioned, like the MLB is, is kind of pushing for, um, intense, uh, discussions right now on their return. Mm-hmm. And do you want to just give the listeners a quick, uh, debrief on, uh, other, other things happening in sports right now before we, uh, we'll, we'll take a break and then we'll move on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, La Liga is set to return soon. I believe that's next month, which will be very exciting for them. Uh, Spain has been uh, one of the heavily infected countries of the coronavirus, and they seem to be closer to a resolution, which is great for them. Um, Next up is the MLB, as as we were just talking about before. There's uh, intense discussions. Uh, One of the major things is about the... uh, the dividing of uh, money between the players and the league, which is a very contentious topic. I can't really get into uh, details because I'm not fully knowledgeable on the subject. I think uh, I'll give another shout out to the Ball Girls podcast with my two mm-hmm. friends, Dorian Ticelli and Haley McGoldrick. Uh, they give a really good job on that discuss- on that uh, front. So definitely check out their podcast on if that. You guys, yeah, I mean, quick shout out to them if you guys need any uh, um, information or uh, explanations on the um mlb again their whole initiative on uh returning to play or any of those uh topics that um is going on in baseball definitely the ball girls podcast is uh, a great source for information there yes and they're much more knowledgeable on baseball than we are so definitely check it out for for that one 100 um, yeah but yes um i think finding a way to balance the finances between the players and the mlb uh, itself is going to be a very important issue to overcome um if they want, if they really want this thing to work, that's something they're going to have to do. Um, and I think that that's the one thing both sides have to recognize that this season is going to be shortened, and there's going to be probably 81 or 82 games, if my math is correct. But there has to also be, I think, for them, it's a little bit different from the ML, the NBA, and the NHL in that their season hasn't even started yet. 
and they could just easily move, just cancel the season and move on to the next. Because unlike the other two leagues I just mentioned, they have to play 81 or 82 days consecutively, potentially back-to-back games on the same date to make it even shorter. Uh, and there's a lot more staff involved. So that's the biggest thing also to overcome. Mm-hmm. Is it even worth the financial burden with all those testing that you have to do for those players? I mean, like I said, if I mean, I for one am okay with a cancel season in any of the sports because it's just this kind of situation is just not something we've seen before, right? Mm-hmm. And I know it would be a huge financial loss, so we'll see what kind of um, discussions that come out of all this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a tough situation to be in, and I think uh, I think if if we lose baseball this season, we're just gonna have to. Um, we're just gonna have to live with it. Honestly, we put the the safety of people before you know sports. But mm-hmm. like you said, if they can get creative and think of a way to realistically have a shortened season, like you said, it would be a lot of um a lot of back to back games, mainly nearly all back to back games, um mm-hmm. or or back to back series. Um, again, also you you'd have to. Uh, they there's just so many things that go into it. Of course, the the hub cities and things like that they still have to decide on. But um, with back to back series and all that, and I mean it's such a such the wear and tear on players, and and, the, and they'll be tired. Of course, if they could think of a realistic way to have the season, then have it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I feel like baseball is the one because they haven't even started yet. Baseball is the one uh, sport that is at risk of being canceled outright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that uh, I think fans have to recognize that there that MLB is probably the season that if if there's any uh, sports league that gets canceled before they even start, it's most likely going to be the MLB. Mm-hmm. But hockey uh, and basketball already. I mean, they were essentially almost finished, so all they want to do is just to do the playoffs. But the MLB can't just go into playoffs if they haven't even had a season. Yeah, but how how do you even uh, project make the playoff format without even uh, determining who makes it in? Do you just exactly. redo the teams that made the playoffs last year? Who's to say that they're even going to be? I mean, completed? imagine just having a what you know, like a a tournament with all the teams. But I I wouldn't want that. Like, what's the point? Don't even count that. That's just like a tournament. I yeah, mean, exactly. Don't be that. Don't don't push for a season that hard. You know. Hmm. I think here's the thing. The bottom line. Like we've been talking about at the start of this uh, this uh, segment, the MLB and the MLBPA have to recognize that money is going to be tight this year, and there's not going to be a lot of uh, financial resources uh, as compared to previous years just because of uh, the situation that we're currently in. And uh, there's going to be a lot of sacrifices that need to be made in order for this to work. If the players are okay with it and they can find a way to ensure the player's safety, uh, then yes. Find a way to make the season work. But I think the MLB is in a unique situation, like I said off the top, just because their season hasn't even started yet, that it's more likely that they could cancel their season compared to the NHL and the NBA, which is we're almost done their seasons, and they would like to find some form of closure. Oh, I 100% agree. Um, with that, I think we'll take a break. How about, how about that? And then uh, we have our mm-hmm. redraft coming up. So uh, we'll take a break and be right back.
right, we're back, um, and uh, we're gonna go into our 2012 NHL redraft, and I'm pretty exciting. Uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, the last two episodes, uh, we decided just just quickly re- debrief, but we uh, we decided two episodes ago that we'd be tackling um, redrafting uh, the NHL drafts from 2010 all the way up until 2017 for every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't checked it already, um, check out our last two episodes where we did uh, where we redrafted the 2010 NHL draft and the 2011 NHL draft. And so today we'll be doing the 2012 NHL draft and um 2012 is a very very interesting draft because um that initial top 10 was uh very um I mean the the top 10 right now is most likely not going to look anything like our redrafted top 10 let's be real mm-hmm. um, I think now, very very players will be uh, staying in the top 10 mm-hmm. let's just remember that uh the first overall pick um in real life that year was uh nail yakupov to uh the edmonton oilers and uh i mean that was just a pretty crazy draft in general what did you think uh initial thoughts when it happened yeah uh that was around the time where my hockey fandom was at rock bottom but i do kind of remember the fail for nail campaign which was Mm -hmm. a really big deal and it was actually funny nail yakupov was not even rejected to be the first overall pick there was actually talks that alex galchenyuk could be taken first overall Mm -hmm. and And they were teammates yeah yeah that would have been a very interesting uh, scenario for Edmonton if they went with uh, Galchenyuk first overall or potentially Ryan Murray, who mm-hmm. were the original first overall picks. But I just, uh, I just want to run through the uh, original top 10 because we're going to be redrafting the uh, just the top 10. Um, mm-hmm. But we I just want to quickly run down the original top 10. So first overall in 2012 was Nail Yakupov to Edmonton. Second was Ryan Murray, a solid defenseman to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Third, as he said, Alex Galchenyuk to the Montreal Canadiens, who now plays, I believe he's with Minnesota, right? Kind of bounced around this year. Yeah, he's um, in Minnesota. Yeah. Fourth was Griffin Reinhardt to the Islanders. Fifth was uh, our boy Morgan Riley to the Leafs. Sixth was Hampus Lindholm to the Ducks. Um, seventh was Matthew Dumba to the Wild. Um, eight was uh, Derek Pulwa, um to the Penguins. Um, yep. Ninth was Truba, Jacob Truba to the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, I still don't know how to say his name, but uh, tenth is Slater Kokuk to the Cuckoo. Lightning. Cuckoo. It's like um, think I of know the he... Beatles song, uh, I'm the Walrus. I'm okay, the Walrus. Okay. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, he's been he's been fairly solid. He found his place. Uh, he found a spot on the uh, Chicago Blackhawks last season for some games. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, definitely uh, he's definitely been a bit of a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but so we will start with our redraft. Um, do you want to do a, a coin toss or, or I had first overall pick last time, so you could have first pick. Yeah, uh, let's this we, time if you want. We'll just go back and forth between uh, okay. us. Me, and, yeah. Um, okay, so... Just before we do start, though, um, people are going to be asking us about Frederick Anderson because Frederick oh, yes. Anderson was actually drafted in 2012. And we had already done him in the 2010 draft. For the sake of uh, fairness, we are leaving him out of the 2012 redraft. But if we were to include him in this draft, I would think it's pretty safe to assume that he would fit in the top 10. But we're leaving him out and giving other players a shot. Mm -hmm. If you haven't checked it out already, of course, uh, the story goes that Freddie Anderson was drafted in 2010, um, didn't sign, 
uh, re-entered the 2012 draft and, and was uh, drafted um, there. Um, and if you haven't checked already, we're, we're doing this because uh, we already drafted him in our 2010 NHL redraft, so we didn't think it, w- it would have been necessary to draft mm-hmm. him again in 2012. Exactly. Um, just, just, just so we could fit in another player in this draft, you know. Um, but with that, we will start. So, Michael, uh, you are up with the first overall pick. Well, I have to say that this is a very interesting uh, first overall pick, and I think these next few picks are going to be very interesting too. But if we look at the overall body of uh, work from all the players taking in, in the in the 2012 draft, I think it's pretty safe to assume that this player taken was the best of the bunch. And my first pick is going to be Andre Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. And I I had him as at uh, first overall as well. I mean, what can we say of Vesna winning goaltender? Um, one of the elite goaltenders of uh, of uh, in the league right now, and uh, honestly, has been the backbone of uh, a very good Tampa Bay team for for a while now. Mm-hmm. What's crazy to me though is that Tampa Bay has managed to get two amazing goalies consecutive years. They had Ben Bishop for the first couple of years of their reattention to the top of the league, and then once he left, Ben Bishop, of course, who came in to take his place. Vasilevsky, and he's filled in quite nicely. And mm-hmm. I think the comparisons between him and uh, Dominic Kasich are well deserved because he definitely plays somewhat to him. Oh yeah, in some aspects. Oh yeah, I mean it, it, the the scenario kind of reminds me a lot about um of the Boston Bruins tandem of Tim Thomas and then Tuka Rask, and kind of once Tim Thomas left, uh, Tuka Rask was kind of groomed into the elite goaltender that he is today. And uh, that that situation doesn't happen a lot, and Tampa Bay really got lucky there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, definitely, um, just to go over his accolades a little, um, last year in 2019, he won the Vezina and he was on the first uh, uh, All-Star team. Um, also, he's a three-time All-Star. And uh, just honestly, I don't think it's a it's a debate that he was the best player chosen in this draft. I, I have to say so too. And it's pretty crazy that uh, the first overall pick in our redraft is a goalie. But I'm curious to see who you're going to take second. It might be who I think it is. So, possibly. So, uh, my, with my second overall pick, I'm going to take the guy who was uh, a part of arguably the worst trade in uh, Washington Capitals history. Um, mm. I'm going to take uh, Philip Forsberg. What do you think of that? <laughs> I mean, wow. f- f- uh, was it, is, that a, is that a surprise? I mean, Philip for. There, there are a lot of good players here. I feel like after the first pick, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good players to choose from. I chose Forsberg. Um, Philip Forsberg, I mean, immediately um, after he was traded to the uh, to the Nashville Predators, he made quite the impact. I mean, I'm just trying to pull up some of his stats here. Uh, mm-hmm. Just give me one second. But, I mean, he's been, he's been honestly a very great offensive player. I mean, he's put up uh, – 63 points 64 points uh two seasons ago he put up 64 points he's kind of slowed down slowly but he's um he's he's kind of a bona fide nearly 30 goal scorer safe safe bet for 30 goals on mm-hmm. um on uh and and at the time um when nashville was uh one of the top teams in the league he was essentially one of their offensive backbones mm-hmm. yes he is a very good player and he's uh, going to be a, per, a consistent 30 goal scorer for a very long time um, obviously, part of that uh, big uh, mistake of a trade between the Capitals and the Predators 
Uh, Nashville is laughing that about that trade to this very day, and it's only you only wonder what could have been if they were able to keep that pick, plus the other pick that they had later in the draft of a player that we will mention a little bit later in the free uh, draft, I'm sure. Um, yeah, but I was kind of surprised you take him second overall because you'll you'll see what I mean when I give him like, my third. I think overall I know selection. who you're gonna who you're gonna select third overall, um, <laughs> but. Let's just say, off the top, it's a pretty deep draft. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a. I think these these next few picks are all definitely wild card picks. Mm-hmm. I'm just. I want to just go right into the third overall pick. I'm not gonna beat around the bush anymore. Uh, I'm taking with the third overall pick, Connor Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. That's who I thought you would pick. Um, again, another safe, safe pick. A very good pick. Um, you can't go wrong with that. He has been ab- an absolute stud, especially this season with the Jets. Um, he's mm-hmm. been, I'd say, arguably the best goaltender in the league. How about how about you? Um, yeah, this, this season. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this season he was definitely a Vesna Trophy winner, but I'd also think he would be a Hart Trophy as well candidate because those that Jets team compared to the last two seasons was not as talented, and they were very much relying on Hellebuck to find success. Like if Hellebuck was not having a good game, that that team would struggle immensely. And you have to also keep in mind, too, they've lost a lot of key defenders, and they had to bring up a young Neil Pionk to fill the void for a few for, for the season. And he obviously he filled up well, but it was really Hellebuck that kept that team afloat. And were it not for his efforts, I don't think the Jets would be in the playoff conversation like they are now. Oh, definitely. 100%, I agree. Um, and, and, I mean, he's been the backbone of uh, the Jets kind of uh, – like you said, they've kind of struggled this season, but he's definitely been – their brightest spot and it's nice to see that they've qualified for this year's playoffs um either way so Mm -hmm. that's nice to see um with my fourth overall pick um i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with uh our boy morgan riley with the fourth overall pick yeah i was thinking that too Mm -hmm. that's a good choice i mean we all know he's been uh the leafs best defenseman for a number of years now um, last year he put up uh, a, an amazing offensive season. Um, I just want to pull up some of his stats, but um, you really can't go wrong. That was a. Uh, I mean, we we all remember Brian Burke say that if if the Leafs had the first overall pick, Morgan Riley would have been first overall either way. And uh, looking back, that was one of the best picks of the draft. And um, I mean, last season um, Morgan Riley put up seventy two points, twenty goals for a defenseman. That's amazing. And uh, he could have won the Norris uh, Trophy last year, and I know a lot of people had him high up on their list. Um, The fact that he's a Norris caliber defenseman and what he's grown into, I think it's definitely a a very good pick. Absolutely, and I think he's uh, definitely developed into that bona fide top defenseman that a lot of teams would love to have. Obviously, his defensive game can sometimes be a little bit frustrating to watch, but I would would love to have uh, Morgan Riley on on my team if I was a fan of uh let's say like someone that's not the Leafs like I would definitely think a lot of people would be very excited to have uh him on the, like Riley on their backhand because he's definitely makes the team better and he almost won the Norris Trophy last year which says a lot about his development mm-hmm. um so you're up with the fifth overall pick yeah I'm not going to take another goalie this time I'm actually going to go to the blue line this time uh very tempted to take this other guy but I have to go with uh Jacob Truba Jacob Truba, nice. Um, again, Jacob Truba has been uh, a very, a very good uh, defenseman. Uh, what do you think? 
I definitely think he's uh, come a long way. He's def- I think last season was his breakout year, and he was uh, struggling a bit in his first year in New York, but uh, I think he'll find uh, success uh, uh, in Manhattan for the number of years. He's definitely still in his prime. He's a big defender who shoots right. A lot of teams would crave to have a player like that on their back end. And uh, there's what can be said. Like The Rangers have a really good thing going, and he's going to be part of that that core for the next five, ten years, which is a very exciting uh, prospect for him because I know he really wanted to play back home in the United States, and now he's getting to do that. Um, but, I mean, obviously Jets fans probably won't like this pick because uh, of the uh, many frustrations that they have with him given the mm-hmm. uh, term contract turmoils uh, with the negotiations. But mm-hmm. don't get it twisted. Trubo's a fine player. I think a lot of teams would love to have him. And I think either way, the Jets had, uh, I mean, they acquired two great players in this draft, um, mm-hmm. uh, in both in Hellbuck and uh, Truba. And, and I mean, uh, even though Truba's with the Rangers now, I mean, he, he still put up 50 points uh, last season. And uh, I mean, again, like you said, with his uh, contract turmoil, he still contributed a lot. And New York uh, has a great young team right now. Uh, that's uh, clearly, I mean, they've made a push for the playoffs this year and it worked and mm-hmm. uh, just give them a few more years, really. Yeah, they'll definitely be in the conversation for a long time. I have to think that they will be one of the scariest teams to face in the Eastern Conference for the next few years. And their their rebuild has gone extremely well and they're already close to being back in the conversation after what? Their last time they were in the playoffs was 2017. So that's what? two or three years of no playoffs. Mm-hmm. They could have potentially made the playoffs in 2021 and just cruised, like, possibly top three spots in, in the uh, Metro division. Like, that's how good they've been in a, such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So uh, what number are we on? Six? Yeah, number six. So with my sixth overall pick, I am going to take uh, from the Carolina Hurricanes, Jacob Slavin. Ooh, that's a good pick. The other yeah. Jacob. Mm-hmm, the other Jacob. Uh I mean, I, 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 for one, think he's, he can, I mean, the defensemen in this draft were so good, and I think Slavin has really uh, bolstered himself into even, you know, you can make an argument that he is the best defenseman in this uh, draft. I think, I think uh, it, it was such a rich, a rich uh, draft for goaltenders and for defensemen, and he's been making mm-hmm. a very uh, strong case. Uh, for being, uh, you know, a top defenseman in this league with Carolina. I mean, he was an all-star this year, um, and uh, he really is. He really holds it down on on the on the Hurricanes blue line. He does, yes. And I think a lot of people underrate him because he doesn't get. He's not. He's not in a big market like uh, like Toronto or New York. Mm-hmm. But he is one of the best two-way defensemen in the NHL, and he's definitely earned a spot as the uh, Hurricanes' top defenseman, and in this this past year, making the All-Star team. Um, I think a lot of teams would love to have a guy like him on their blue line, on their top pairing, because he fits in so well and can uh, really help uh, elevate his players. And we saw just how uh, valuable he was like this past season, and especially this year as well. When Ducky Hamilton went down with his injury, he really stepped up. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree, and I mean, we know Carolina has one of the best defensive cores in the in the entire league. I mean, they're a very defensively uh, gifted team, and uh, the fact that he just leads that um, that whole core is is it's really incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, really good thing that Carolina has back there, oh, yeah. and uh, all their defensemen, like 
people don't get don't get it twisted. Carolina's defense is by far the best in the NHL. And if they get a healthy Jake Gardner, which was one of their weaknesses this past year, they're going to be scary. 100%. Um, so I believe we're going on to pick seven, and that's your pick. Yes, that is my pick. Um, this is a very interesting one because uh, there's some – this is where it gets a little bit interesting mm-hmm. after I the top six. After the top six, there's still a handful of good players, but it's it's the margins are a lot slimmer. They're mm-hmm. all they're Absolutely. all great picks. Absolutely. Um I'm going to take a center for this pick, and I'm going to take another player on the Carolina Hurricanes, Tivo Teravinen. Nice. Um so let me just write that in here. Um I just want to read off some of his uh stats. I mean he was next on my list as well. So, uh, I mean, of course, he had a great season last season as well. Uh, last season, he put up 76 points, 21 goals, 55 assists. And even before that, he was putting up a 64-point season. He's definitely – it took him a while to kind of get to this point, but he's definitely um, bolstered himself into one of the NHL's premier uh, offensive forwards. Hmm. He was definitely a late bloomer. He didn't start out like this in mm-hmm. uh, Chicago, but I think the Carolina trade was the best thing that could have happened to his career because he's definitely improved. Like you said, one of the best offensive players and definitely an underrated player as well. I think Carolina's forward court also really talented. Uh, this is us just gushing about the Hurricanes, and I think the, the Hurricanes analytical... are good. The Hurricanes yeah. are very good. <laughs> the and they're often jerks. underrated. They're honestly often underrated. And uh, but um, they've built themselves up to a very, um, a very good team. Honestly, absolutely. Um, I think they're definitely a team to uh, beat for the next couple of years too, because they're just all around uh, talented on all fronts. And we saw that full well a few weeks, uh, a few months ago when the Leafs played the Hurricanes on a Saturday night, and uh, some forty-two-year-old goalie uh, had a good game. But that was mm. not because of him. It was because the Carolina Hurricanes played an amazing defensive game. That's what people tend to forget. But they'll always, <laughs> yeah. of course, talk about the Leafs lost to a 42-year-old Zamboni driver. They, they locked up the Leafs. They honestly locked up the Leafs. Yep. Full mm. marks go to them because that's pretty, that was purely on their team defense. It wasn't full solely on David Ayers. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just going back to it, Tara Vinen is uh, honestly one of the brightest spots on their uh, roster. So, great pick. Great pick right there. Of course. So now with number, uh, yep, yeah, I'm on number eight. So uh, with my eighth overall pick, I'm gonna go back to a goaltender here, and uh, I'm gonna take the two-time Stanley Cup champion Matt Murray. Good pick. I like that. Um, he's definitely uh, slowed down a bit this year, but uh, make no mistake, he's a Stanley Cup champion, and he's uh, earned his spot as a uh, one of the best players in this draft. I mean, let's not forget that uh, he still he was. The thing with him is that he came into the league absolutely swinging i mean he won two he backstopped the the pittsburgh penguins to two stanley cups in his first two years i mean you can't forget about that and when you set the bar that high of course anything below that is going to be seen as kind of a drop but um he hasn't been terrible he's kind of he has kind of dipped um as of late and uh in the last few seasons but let's not forget this season pittsburgh has played uh very very well this season they've uh kind of bounced back up and uh, mm-hmm. he's been he's been playing he's been playing better um, this season, and and he's still young, so I think it's a very safe pick, and, and it's easy to say he's still uh, a very reliable goaltender in uh, the NHL. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And uh, Matt Murray is in a very interesting spot because uh, his contract is going to be expiring soon. And there's talks about him uh, potentially being booted out of town in favor of uh, Tristan Jari, Mm -hmm. who was having a fantastic season in his own right. But I think the Penguins will be upset if they let go of Matt Murray because he's still a good goalie. He's only only 25 again. So goalies have, they take a a lot of time to, um, to get to the point where they are in their prime, of course. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Matt Murray is he started out so young and he found success right away that you can't say that that was his prime right away. Maybe he's, I mean, he, he was amazing at first at such a young age and maybe he Mm -hmm. slowed down a bit, but I mean, his real prime years are up ahead and he could bounce right back. Um, to that elite status absolutely and i think he's still got a lot of late mile left in his career which is uh what people they think oh his career's done tristan jari is the he's new 25 guy. yeah exactly he's 25. i think matt murray is uh going to be in this league for a long time and his career is going to get back on track i think this past season was a down year for him for sure so uh we'll go to the ninth overall pick and then my 10th overall pick and we'll close out this draft Oh, this is a very interesting now because there are three players I'm thinking of taking with this ninth pick. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. many good players that I could. There are a lot take of good them. players in these, uh, and I mean, we'll we'll mention them in the honorable mentions. But I mean, just the next crop of guys are, are very close together, and they all of them are very good picks. Hmm. Um, I'm going to. This is this is a very tough call. Um, but I'm going to have to lean towards a defenseman who's done very well with St. Louis and that's Colton Perenko. Nice, nice pick. Um, I w- if you didn't choose him, I would have chosen there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely again, one of the NHL's better defensemen. Um, and again, a Stanley cup champion. Um, he really held down, uh, the blue line helped hold down the blue line, uh, on, last season's uh stanley cup team and i mean this season the st louis blues have just been playing great um offensively Mm -hmm. he's been putting up you know he's a consistent 30 point scorer um which is which is great as well and uh yeah i mean you can't really go wrong with that pick exactly it's funny because uh for this season and last season he finished with the exact same stat line of 10 goals 18 assists and 28 points obviously this year there was less games so he could have potentially had even more if the season were able to finish as normal but Cole Franco is a good all-around player, like good defensively, good offensively, like a kind of player that you want to have on your right side. And I think a lot of teams look at Colton Franco and would love, and I keep saying this about all the defensemen I've been mentioning, but it's true for Colton Franco as well. People would love, teams would love to have him on their top pairing because he's a perfect fit for the right side. I remember when last season, when the trade deadline for last season was approaching and you know the St. Louis Blues. I mean, they has, they started out terrible last season, right? And they bounced back afterwards. But it was more towards the latter half of the season. But as the, the mm-hmm. trade deadline approached, you know, people were talking about, or I mean, obviously the speculation was uh, St. Louis Blues might um, sell because mm-hmm. I mean they were at the bottom of the league at the time. And I just remember, you know, the Leafs would be salivating over Colton Pareko. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But, but uh, uh, he's just that kind of defenseman that um, you want on your team. Exactly. And I think St. Louis will be happy that the season played out the way it did because it would have been a pretty great mistake to uh, cut ties with him so early. But, I mean, for these fans, like, we missed out on Colton Perenko or Alex Petrangelo. But 
St. Louis was really good in the second half of 2018-19, and they uh, that's a pretty historic season that they had. So, yes, I think him t- being taken in the top 10 is the right spot for him. Mm-hmm. So um, to close out the draft with my 10th overall pick, I'm going to select, uh, of course, there's so much talent, especially at this, um, the end of this draft uh, or the end of the top 10. So with my 10th overall pick, I'm going to go ahead and choose from the San Jose Sharks, Thomas Hurdle. It's a good pick. Mm-hmm. He's. A- I was very close to taking him as well. In number <laughs> oh, nine. yeah. I mean, he's really upped, uh, upped his uh, production, especially as of late. I mean before a consistent 20 goal scorer but um last season he put up 35 goals 39 assists for 74 points in in just 77 games as well and uh i mean this season the san jose sharks have obviously taken a a step back but he's been one of their bright spots he's only played 48 games so far this season but um Mm -hmm. uh he he put up 36 points in those 40 games and uh he was he was an all-star as well Yes, he has. And uh, one of my favorite highlights for Thomas Hurdle was uh, early in his rookie season when he stropped four goals on the uh, New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. And we still, I still think about his fourth goal, which was between the legs, roofed at top shelf. Uh, people were talking about, is that a disrespectful move for a guy in his in a game like that <laughs> where the score was the way it was? But let's not kid ourselves. Thomas Hurdle is a skilled player. He is a player that would be a perfect fit on most teams' second line. And uh, uh, and San Jose is definitely, their season has gone off the rails a little bit, but he is uh, an important part of that team. And uh, I think San Jose is very glad they they took him uh, in the 17th overall in the 2012 draft. And let's not forget, the guys in this draft are like 25, 26, and still have time to just keep improving. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen uh, for a number of these picks that we've chosen here, their better years were in the last few years. And I mean, as they reach their prime or closer to their prime, they, they can only start to continue to go up. Yes, exactly. And I think he's only going to get better with a bigger role. And, and uh, regardless of if he's able to, co- to continue his career in uh, San Jose or potentially elsewhere, depending on which direction they go, I think he's definitely still got a lot of improvements to make. And I think he'll be even better than he's been uh the last couple of years mm-hmm. for sure so um before we uh mention our honorable mentions i just want to run down our final top 10 for our redraft so number one we had andre vasilevsky number two philip forsberg number three connor hellbuck number four was morgan riley number five was jacob truba number six was jacob slavin number seven was toivu teravainen Number eight was Matt Murray. Number nine was Colton Pareko. And number 10 was Thomas Hurdle. So that was our top 10. I want to know, Michael, who are some of your honorable mentions that you had just below? We'll give uh, just a few. The immediate first honorable mention has to be Tom Wilson. He was so, I was so close to picking him in the top 10. Like It was a very hard decision to not pick him up, up in, in either nine or, or for UK's number 10. But he definitely deserves an honorable mention because he's just he's skilled enough to beat with in the conversation for the top 10 oh for sure um i had him yeah right there right at number 11 um he's he's been great for uh the washington capitals honestly a player that uh, i mean he's the definition of the player you don't want on your team i mean you don't want to play against but you want on your team mm-hmm. um Absolutely. so i mean he's yeah he's he's a great pick um other honorable mentions for me were uh corpus Allo, uh columbus's goalie um, Dumba, Matt Dumba, um, 
uh, a very solid defenseman for the Minnesota Wild. And, uh, you know, the Ghost Bear, Shane, Shane Ghost Bear, um, a, a great defenseman for, uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Absolutely. And I'll mention a couple of more honorable mentions just before we wrap this up. Um, for sure, have to mention Tanner Pearson, taken mm-hmm. 30th overall by the Kings. He's playing really well in Vancouver. Happens Lindholm, another player taken in the top 10 originally. He just misses the cut, but he's had a fine career himself. And I have to say one more player that definitely deserves uh, credit uh, in, for an honorable mention, uh, maybe I'll mention two because uh, they're both really good players in their own right, is uh, Josh Anderson, who's played similar to uh, Tom Wilson, and, of course, Brady Shea, who's uh, now a big part of the uh, Carolina Hurricanes uh, defense. Also, uh, give a shout-out to uh, Cody Cece. <laughs> oh, and Pontus Aver, who's now <laughs> in uh, the KHL. Mm-hmm. Cody Cece, the a backbone of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> oh, and one more, def- a couple more Leafs uh, were in this draft, too. I got to mention uh, Connor Brown. Uh, we definitely miss him. And uh, Victor Love. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> but in, in in all honesty, I mean that this this draft. I'm just going through it right now. A lot of great, uh, a lot of great picks. Honestly, like uh, uh, Brady Shea, great defenseman for the Rangers. Uh, Malcolm Subban has been. Uh, I mean, you know, he's been bounced around for a while, but he's been uh, a very solid backup goaltender for many teams now. Um, mm-hmm. Oli Mata, um, and and it's just. Players like that that kind of uh, make the draft, you know, these are these are everyday NHL players, and, and a lot of them are, you know, from this draft that we initially this draft was seen as one of the weakest drafts um, of all time, but mm-hmm. now as we see, a lot of really good talent came out of it. Yeah, I think this is the late bloomer draft because a lot of players uh, took some time to develop and. Uh, Obviously, some of the top picks that went, uh, we, as we discussed at the, before this segment started, uh, I think the draft should have gone a lot differently compared to what, what actually happened in the, the original top 10. But there are some also good players in the draft. Let's not get it twisted. This was a not, this was a decent draft. Shout out. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> reading this. Shout out um, Eric Carlson, who was drafted oh 99th overall to the Carolina Hurricanes. There's another one. Another Eric Carlson. I just, I just saw that. Funny. He plays for, playing with Cuckoo of the Liga League. I have never heard of never the, heard the team of Cuckoo. Cuckoo. It's it's you literally called Cuckoo. If Slater Cuckoo joins the Cuckoos, what what do they call themselves? The Cuckoo Cuckoos. <laughs> That's a mouthful right there. That's funny. But uh, yeah, that was our draft. Uh. And uh, we'll we'll definitely have a graphic coming out on Twitter so we can see everything. Um, yes. But that was fun. Next week, definitely, we'll have the uh, 2013 NHL draft, which should be another fun draft. I mean, a lot of great talent came out of that draft. Oh, so that's going to be very Just off exciting. the top, I mean, Nathan McKinnon, Seth Jones, you know, those are, I mean, there's a, a whole bunch of others, but we'll see next, next week. I'm really looking forward to that. I think uh, it'll be a very interesting discussion. But uh, just before we wrap up today's episode, I just want to quickly mention uh, a shout out to another podcast. Uh, All my friends are making podcasts now, but they're all great in their own right. Uh, My friends uh, Jordan McDonald and Jake Bolimara started a podcast called Bets and Bites. Um, I know that a lot of people are worried about uh, the impact of fantasy sports uh, because of the the spas Mm -hmm. and the NHL as well. And they provide a good uh, 
they they talk about uh, fantasy sports. So if you want to talk, if you want to listen to that, uh, definitely check out their podcast. Uh, they talked a little bit about it, uh, the impact of sports uh, without uh, betting involved for the time being. And I think uh, when play does resume, that'll be a good place to check out as well. Awesome. So definitely check out that podcast, you guys. Uh, if you're into uh, you know sports betting and, and, and looking at the fantasy side of uh, sports. All right. I think that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, is there anything else you want? To, unless there's no, anything else you want to talk about? I mean, no. That was a, that was a that was a great episode, and uh, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to next season. I mean, next episode. <laughs> <laughs> next and, season. And <laughs> next episode, and 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 sports just coming back. We're getting closer to sports coming back. So, um, but I mean, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and and hit us up with questions and topics you guys want to talk about and things like that. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO. And also, um, me and Michael will be uh, streaming again, hopefully this week, um, sometime Woo-hoo. this week, within the next few days, most likely. So definitely catch us there on twitch.tv slash Matt Rodrigo. I'll tweet out the link when we go live. But uh, there's something to also check out. Absolutely. And uh, definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, it'll be a good chance for us to communicate with you, the guys, the fans, and you can maybe give us some ideas for future episodes. So please uh, feel free to ch- jump in when we do host the next uh, stream. For sure. Um, with that, we'll see you guys next time. See you guys.